the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 350. I'm Paul Spain. And my name is Royce Pedersen. Welcome along to the podcast, Royce. Thanks for, uh, for coming and hanging out for a chat today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, uh, as always, some, some interesting topics to discuss. First up, HTC just sent me a new handset to have a look at, the uh, U11. Now, the U11 is it's kind of an interesting handset in that HTC, from my perspective, sort of lost their way a little bit. And they've certainly lost uh, a bit of market share in, in recent years, but they seem to have come up with a handset that's uh, that's pretty good and pretty capable. Royce, you had a little bit of a look at a look at this yeah. uh, before, and well, certainly it's very very slick, very uh, very shiny, very nice looking handset uh, <laughs> overall. First what, impressions is that your- it's, uh, I, I think it's actually it's a good rival for the S8 Plus. Yeah, and um, HTC have been well known for creating quality phones. So I've I've had a, a the the uh, M8, sorry the M7, the M8, and the M9 HTC, and they were all famous for having speakers on the front, so that their big thing was um, audio experience. Obviously now that's changed, but. Um, the thing that really impressed me about the HTC is that they had a metal case and that they really did compete with the Apple iPhone. Mm. Mm. Yeah, really nice build. And uh, the I guess the thing about the U11 is it it is a very, very nice uh, build uh, still. It's mm. very, uh, very, very slick. Uh, great camera. That was, I guess, one of my frustrations with... Uh, some of their other models, they were, you know, they were trying to do some fancy things with with cameras, but they had lower pixel um, or lower, uh, yeah, megapixels uh, compared to compared to other uh, other handsets. They, they took a different approach that the market didn't really get that excited about. Uh, but they seem to have addressed that with the U11. I did a bunch of photography with it over the weekend. Was uh, was away uh, camping. Uh, with my son and just took a bunch of photos in varying places and uh, yeah the results were were really good on that camera front actually there's something a little bit unique about the HTC uh, U11 and that you squeeze it on the side so you just you just pick up the phone you give it a squeeze as you pick it up uh, and it jumps straight into camera mode uh, so there's you know usually a little bit of fiddling around on a lot of phones to uh, just to get in to take a photo, uh, but I found it was really handy. Just pick up the phone, give it a squeeze, mm. and uh, and away you go. And you know, if you don't have such a strong grip, then that's okay because when you first use it, it just asks you to give it just asks you as you're setting it up to give it a bit of a squeeze, and then uh, you know according to how hard you squeeze it, uh, it's it I guess it sets its settings and uh, and then that triggers it. So it's pretty as good. Long, as long as you don't crush it like a Coke can. <laughs> yes, well... Um, they look pretty robust, though, don't they? That's the, the general impression I got, was that it was just as robust as the, uh, the Galaxy. So. Yeah, it, it, certainly, uh, it certainly feels pretty, uh, pretty solid. Mm. Um, now, I've just running through you know, a, a few, uh, few bits, bits and pieces uh, ar- around it. Um, yeah, you've basically got what what we're getting used to in terms of a, a an octa core, um, octa core uh, CPU. 
Um, you've got a 5.5 inch uh, dis- display, so that's, I guess, the area where you're not getting the biggest, the the really nice, um, you know, massive screen that you would get in a say a um, Galaxy S8 Plus, mm. and it's even a little bit smaller than what you get in the Galaxy um, S8. Um, but you know. Overall, it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, launching here with Android seven point one point one, it's got a um, three thousand milliamp hour uh, battery, so a reasonable reasonable size. Uh, main camera twelve megapixels, and then the front camera apparently sixteen uh, megapixels. Wow! Um, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty capable. On, on that front um, and I read some something online around it having a Bluetooth 5 um, but I think there might be a sort of software update uh, required to um, enable some of that uh, functionality I haven't dived too far into that but um, yeah my first look at it's pretty good um, so shipping in New Zealand uh, $1,099 uh, with uh, 64 gigs of storage and it's also got a, um, a micro SD slot so you can increase that yeah, uh, that storage as well so um, yeah seems uh, seems pretty good did you mention the price or was I just not listening uh, $1,099 yeah. yeah I think it's yeah. a big selling point yeah. yeah, so I um, mean, yeah, certainly, uh, uh, yeah, keeps it keeps a competitive, pretty good, uh, pretty good bang for buck. Uh, apparently, it's available for pre-order now. In fact, some people may have already um, may have already got them. I know HTC's site right now says pre-order, um, but I'm pretty sure that a uh, few people have got their hands on them uh, uh, already locally. So um, yeah. Nice to have. Nice to have some competition out there. Uh, I think it would be a, a pity if uh, if the market at the top end was uh, was just left to uh, to two or three players. So um, yeah, great to see HTC. Um, you know, I guess I think picking up their game a little bit actually mm. with this this one. Yeah. So Paul, just a quick question. So who would you say you said the top three in the market? Would would you like to to expand on that? Who would you well? Pick? Sorry it's, to put you on the spot. There. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, Apple sit at the top in terms of profitability, uh, so they're they're able to you know sell uh, phones with plenty of margin in it. So they're making the very large majority of the profits in the mm-hmm. smartphone space at the moment, and then it just sort of you know tumbles down from there in terms of uh, profits. I think uh, Samsung are uh, doing pretty well actually with the S8 and the S8 Plus. And I've heard varying figures bandied around, uh, but it seems like they've they've sold a, uh, a, a really a stack of handsets this year. And we're only a few weeks out uh, from the the launch of the next uh, Samsung in terms of the Note Eight. So uh, I think we'll see an unveiling for that uh, in the next few uh, few weeks ahead. Um, so yeah, that will be uh, that'll be interesting just to see how that go. Um, and then you, I mean, there's I guess lots of different metrics you can look at: profitability, number of uh, phones shipped, and so on. Uh, Vodafone the other day told me that they're they're the third uh, player in terms of uh, um, smartphones with their Vodafone branded handsets, just because they sell uh, truckloads of them. They mm-hmm. come in at some very sharp price points. Yep. Uh, but they're shipping with Android 7 or, or 7.1 um, on those newest handsets. Uh, Huawei 
uh, up there as well, and uh, you know they seem to be doing uh, doing pretty well. Uh, but yeah, and certainly the the likes of LG and and HTC and Sony are much mm. further down the pack in terms of numbers. But you know, all three of those are actually sh- uh, selling some really nice mm. um, smartphones right now. Um, yeah, amongst others, and 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 some of the Chinese uh, brands too. So, have you seen the Xiaomi? Uh, is it is that how you pronounce it? The Xiaomi? Yeah, the Xiaomi. So my, my Mix. Um, so I think it is. Yeah, um, handsets. They're um, they're pretty good yeah. and. Um, yeah, I think there's there's sort of pros and cons for for yeah the different brands. Mm. Some of those uh, sort of brands don't have the same sort of distribution or the same sort of support mm. for getting software updates. Um, there, there's quite a variance, I think, across the market at the, at the moment, which is certainly a, can be a bit of a frustration if you bought a top end phone and then you can't get updates mm. for it. So. It's uh, it's all part of the picture. Um, now, t- talking about other tech news this week, um, IBM and Sony have announced through a collaboration that uh, they've come up with the tech that would um, increase the capacity of uh, tape storage. Now, most of us wouldn't be too familiar with uh, storing data uh, on tapes around our around our home. Um, those of us that grew up when when I did will be a little bit used to uh, uh, home or, or audio cassettes that we used to uh, we used to use to store a bit of data and uh, uh, games and things like that for uh, for home computers. But uh, certainly those within the enterprise uh, technology world, which uh, I guess that's part, that's part of what you do day to day, Royce. In fact, we should stop here yeah, yeah. and you should fill us in. Where do you fit into this world of technology in New Zealand? We didn't cover that yet. Uh, that's and we different. should, since, especially since it's your first time on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, well, um, for 22 years I've been in the IT industry. Uh, started off as a field engineer and cut my teeth in that. And uh, really I've just moved moved my way up. And uh, at the moment I'm an IT infrastructure manager for Urgent Couriers. Uh, Urgent Couriers is, is a good business. They've got a lot of diversity there. We've got um, a soft, uh, software as a service based product called Accelerate, which is a CRM tool which plugs into um, Xero. And um, that's selling like hotcakes around, around the world. Um, we're getting a lot of of interest in that and that's really good um, and then the other part of the business um, is is the third party logistics warehouse so we've got a massive warehouse um, and if you're a seller of goods you can import them um, your software system will integrate with ours and uh, when you make a sale we'll pick pack and ship the product and you won't even see it um, and so there's a lot, a lot of people doing that these days with the advent of AliExpress and, and, and a lot of other you know bigger you know, Shopify and those sorts of um, backends, Magento. Um, so yeah, that that's one uh, area. Another area, and then the other area is obviously the courier fleet. We've got uh, about 130 odd couriers on the roads, and so yeah. I look after them and uh, manage the devices. We've got infrastructure. Uh, we've got a couple of sites that we look after. So yeah. Oh, that's good. And uh, and you and your wife own a, a business called O oh Baby as well, which oh Baby. Um, yeah. has built up pretty phenomenal. Um, uh, following really hasn't it? I mean, I yeah. think we were just looking at the Facebook page before, and it's something like half a million, uh, uh, yeah, half a million likes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. So we started that fourteen years ago, might have been fifteen years now, um, with the idea that you know we saw there was a bit of a, a gap in the market, and we're also really passionate about 
families and, and kids and, and seeing parents equipped to be the best that they can be. And so that's where that came from. And it's really just gone from strength to strength. We've got 14 staff now who work out of Green Bay and Auckland. And we've got uh, latest addition as a salesperson down in Tauranga, which is where I've been working remotely for the last couple of years. Just oh, for the lifestyle cool. factor. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, um, definitely keen to dive in a little bit more into, uh, into that later on in the show. Um, okay. Now, back to uh, tape storage. Do you, uh, do you use tapes within uh, your business for storing any data these days? Yeah, I have. And it's yeah. funny you mentioned that because um, I mentioned that I was at a social event a little while ago and I'm, I'm, somehow we took tech with this guy who wasn't perhaps so tech and I mentioned that we backed up onto tape and he almost laughed at me because um, he's like, what, you still use tape? Isn't that a thing of the past? And it's, well, yeah, but no. Um, and so I kind of explained a little bit to him. But, yeah, um, I think LTO really is the – it's been around for a long time. It's going to be here for a few years to come. And, and the fact that the – what is it, three terabytes per – Well, yeah, the LTO, LTO 7, the current uh, generation, I think about 15 um, uh, terabytes onto onto a tape. And mm. what, we're, what we're told is that – that sort of storage is just going to keep doubling for a few more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a few more years ahead, and uh, you know won't be won't be too long. You know, somewhere over the next sort of five ten years, uh, we should see this next generation. And yeah, the invention mm-hmm. they announced was fitting uh, three hundred and thirty terabytes worth yeah. of. Uh, Data onto uh, onto a tape, which is uh, is, pretty is pretty impressive. Three terabytes per inch was it? I think on the on the actual media. Yeah, three, might be yeah three terabits, um, terabits per inch. Yeah, which is um, that's a lot of a lot of information to squeeze in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, it's, it's great to sort of see the you know sometimes it, we do wonder whether are we about to hit a wall with uh, mm. yeah with certain aspects of technology. Um, but in a lot of cases, it just keeps going, right? And uh, yeah, tape is, is one of those things that still uh, still has its place. Mm. And by the looks of it, it's going to have for uh, yeah at least another another decade to come. Mm. I'm not sure though. In New Zealand, the place, the importance of of tape, what place it will hold, because. You know, our, our smaller to medium businesses will more and more be uh, having their data sitting yeah. in the cloud. So in terms of its local relevance, it, it might be part of the picture for a cloud mm. provider or, you know, that in that type of situation. Um, but in terms of local relevance, I mean, my pick is it's going to drop off uh, as, as it has done probably in recent years where tape probably isn't, in a lot of environments, isn't used as extensively as it was. Um, in other environments, it's still very, very important. I think um, because of the the advent of UFB, a lot of places now can ship their data off off site quite easily and have uh, lots of um, you know replicas of that data stored. And, and it really it's for archival purposes. I think now, um, there's some of them are worm technology, which is write once, read many. I think that's what it is, and I think that's become quite. Popular you can write sectors. the data onto a tape, and uh, and, and you know that it's it's can't um, be changed. Yeah, yeah, not going to be modified. That's yeah, right. yeah. Certainly, the ultra fast broadband uh, initiative has you know led to big changes here in New Zealand, and 
yeah, certainly some some other parts of the world sort of looking across the ditch mm. and so on. When we have these sort of discussions about being able to just you know push data um, you know up to up to the cloud very quickly and very easily, uh, where people don't understand it quite so much because they're not able to do so. But you know now in New Zealand where we can get uh, you know we can get plans down to sort of you know one hundred and fifty dollars a month that give you uh, yeah. um, you know in the direction of uh, of gigabit type download speeds, mm. half a gigabit. Um, up it it does um, it does really change change the picture for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, although you know the 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 costs of uh, of storing data in the cloud can be um, can pretty be fairly high uh, compared to storing it locally, mm. but then there's lots of uh, lots of benefits as well of mm. push that up to someone else to actually worry about and to uh, and to look after. Yes, I think one of the um, bits of technology that I've looked at for for archival is the Amazon S3 service. Uh, sorry, um, the Glacier service by yes, Amazon. Yeah, and uh, that looks really good because it's so cheap. But it's not until you go to do a big restore that you actually realise that there's more costs associated with it. Um, but and that's when perhaps having local um, data cartridges, particularly the older um, LTOs. So if you don't need a lot of storage, LTO three and four, very very cheap now to get the cartridges, and they'll last forever. Well, almost forever, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, on to another subject. We've been, we've been talking for a little while about Amazon opening up in Australia, and of course, we were aware that they were building uh, building some some warehouses and employing people in Australia. They've now uh, made an, made an announcement, or you know, confirmed uh, that they're you know they are going ahead with uh, with opening a big warehouse. That's you know that's confirmed for uh, for Melbourne. Uh, in the M2 industry uh, park there, um, 24,000 uh, square metres. So it's a, um, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a small space. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, they've, they've announced, you know, they're going to employ hundreds of, uh, hundreds of, 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 of people. Now, yes, we've known this is, uh, this is coming for some time. There's been debate around whether Amazon would, whether it would make sense for them to open up here in New Zealand. Of course, we're we're used to Amazon and Microsoft and uh, Google now uh, having data centres in Australia. So yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of technology there, which seems to serve New Zealand pretty well in most cases, mm-hmm. as long as nobody comes and you know cuts the. Uh, uh, or breaks the connections between New Zealand and uh, and Australia. Our internet connectivity. That said, it's better than it used to be. Uh, now, now that we've um, uh, we've got the Tasman Global Access cable in addition to Southern Cross, sort of link, linking us uh, linking us up. Um, have you got Have you got any thoughts on on this? Obviously, um, you know, with your work in the in the courier and logistics world, um, mm. you have a, a little bit of uh, insights in terms of local operations. Do you think it would make sense for them to? open in New Zealand or do you think our market's too small for them at this yeah, stage? Definitely. Well there's two areas I think that they can potentially look at. One's for the data centre operations and I think the nearest that we've got at the moment is in Sydney. I don't think they have a data centre presence so if you're wanting to have a bucket, you know how they do the, the bucket storage if you want to have one of those, the nearest you can have it at Sydney uh, I know that there's more, you know you can choose up through the, the Pacific Rim but mm. um, so there's that area but then there's that, there's storage of product and I, I to be honest I really don't know if New Zealand's big enough for the likes of, I mean they're looking for low hanging fruit 
something they can can make a quick buck on. And I don't know if New Zealand is that quite yet. Um, maybe in a few years, you know, as as industry grows. But um, yeah, my my thoughts are that really we're looking at a lot more smaller traders, um, and that's where it's at at the moment. There's a lot of um, a lot of you know the guy next door who's starting to import product in mass from China or Taiwan and, and they need somewhere to put it and that's where the third party logistics which I've been involved in that's where that comes into play because really they don't want to have to you know have it all stored in their garage or pay for a, a big warehouse just for themselves so um, basically we have a system where where we allocate everything and it, it's very quick to pick pack and ship we've got the courier business um, it just makes sense and it works really well and uh, it's actually a very profitable business so yeah 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 I, I think that would be my my pick uh, certainly you know certainly for the for the very short term that look they've got to get Australia sorted yeah. First, if nothing else, they can do a lot of shipping from Australia. We already see uh, lots of companies that ship goods f- from Australia. Uh, Apple don't have a distribution warehouse here in New Zealand. Uh, you know, for a number, well, many years really, we we uh, place orders with uh, with Apple if you order through their uh, their Apple online store, and those goods have been coming out of uh, out of Australia. Uh, now, from time to time, there's been uh, been a few oddities. I think we've talked about uh, on the show before. There was, I'm trying to remember the uh, who it was, but um, uh, somebody you know shared a story of they were ordering something. I think it was supposed to be reasonably simple uh, from Apple, like a mouse or some you know something cable, um, nothing too too valuable. And they got, and I think they got shipped a. Um, uh, uh, Samsung Galaxy handset, mm-hmm. so it was just bizarre. So there must have been at least at some point some sort of shared uh, logistics centre where these things yeah. were, sh- were shipping out of. Uh, and I think they even they reordered the same thing because they hadn't got the right thing, and they got sent the uh, the, the 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 same you know product again, which yeah, pretty p- happy possibly worked out in their in their favour if they hadn't have been nice enough to return it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of needing to have that sort of local on the ground presence, it depends what you're doing. I would imagine the longer term view for for Amazon, sort of you know, supermarket type you know offerings and and so on, that they will ultimately want to have a presence here. Mm. But in terms of the timing for that, that uh, yeah, that that's really pretty unknown. I I would imagine and. Um, yeah, they they have to be cautious around the pace they move. Otherwise, they run out of uh, they run out of money. So That's they can't right. just build warehouses everywhere. It's a little bit easier for a player like Uber that only needs you know pretty small investment in the area mm. to uh, to get launched and 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 operate locally. I think um, one of the things that Amazon also has to look at is um, that that Kiwis are actually a, a different a different bunch of people to the Aussies and the Americans and, and what works in Australia and what works in America certainly isn't always going to work in New Zealand and, and I mean a lot of businesses have experienced it you know with the warehouse and pumpkin patch and and um, you know even though baby to some degree we've looked at moving across the ditch and expanding and, and we've sort of weighed it up and we, we really do need a whole new marketing approach to break into that market and I think Amazon would do well to realise that, that that will require a new marketing approach in New Zealand to be successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've certainly done uh, pretty well here with uh, Amazon uh, Web Services. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they've. they've uh, it's because it's so cheap, though. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one can and, compete. Well, <laughs> and 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 I guess that's really been the the thing of of Amazon is coming in and undercutting other players, mm. and there will be a difference in terms of how much they can compete. 
shipping from Australia to New Zealand versus shipping from New Zealand to New Zealand, mm. uh, depending on the approach they take. But my pick is, is they will be doing that. They will be shipping out of Australia into New Zealand, whereas today our orders are coming from the US. And so we will see a huge uptick, I think, in terms of that uh, move from buying from all sorts of other uh, channels to be buying via Amazon in New Zealand. And it's going to be very interesting to, to watch mm-hmm. um, how, how the market uh, you know, changes with that. And certainly, you know, I hope uh, those uh, companies who are going to be impacted are uh, yeah, planning ahead and uh, making sure that they're in, in the best position uh, possible as that sort of change comes through. Now, on to a uh, local story. Uh, Rocket Lab, of course, did, uh, did their first uh, test launch of their uh, Electron uh, rocket uh, in, on uh, May, May 25th. And there was a little bit of an issue in that the, the rocket got up into space, but it didn't go into orbit. We've now got the detail back and... Um, Basically, there there was a uh, a fault to do with some misconfigured um, systems at uh, I think at at, uh, at ground level, and uh, in fact, the st- what uh, what the NBR published. Let me read that out because it was quite good. They said the short story: the rocket was fine and performed as expected. Um, the problem was with some misconfigured ground equipment supplied by a third party. A contractor failed to enable forward error correction, leading to the ro- rocket to be reported at an incorrect uh, position. So four minutes into the flight, um, 224 uh, kilometres up, and this led to uh, an issue with the equipment losing contact uh, with the rocket. Uh, for maybe a short period of time, and uh, basically their operating procedure, standard operating procedure, kicked in and caused uh, the flight to be terminated. Sounds pretty which, expensive. Which, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it's about five million uh, US dollars a year. A launch, I think they're going to be selling these things for. Uh, but you have you have to go through that stuff, and they did pretty well. Um, so we'll look forward to the next launch, uh, you know, happening in the uh, in the weeks ahead. And uh, you know, I think people are pretty excited about uh, this happening. Uh, you know, right here in New yeah. Zealand, it's come a long way since the old V two rocket. I don't know. I was watching a documentary the other day about. Uh, the the Nazi um, built V two rocket, which was the very first ballistic missile, and and how it was used a gyroscope, and it was so simple yet effective, and uh, you know no communications, but boy, it's stunning to to watch that, and then see the graduation. Obviously, that guy Ivan Brown became the head of NASA and mm. put the first man on the moon. So incredible. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, Come a long the, way. The, the technology really has has changed uh, this world, though, hasn't it? In terms of um, you know just how accurate the um, you know these things can be, the amount of data that's being fed back, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just how accessible um, it is to be able to develop these and have a really good picture up front of what's going to happen before it's happened through uh, through computer modelling and so on.
yeah, yeah. There's actually a um, a, a good movie um, which I could probably do a good plug for right now. It's called um, Hidden Figures, and uh, I don't, have you seen that, Paul? At all? Hmm, I'm it's, not sure that I have. It's a relatively recent one. It's it's a movie about um, the indigenous Americans back in the time of NASA and its very early phase um, and getting rockets out into space. And and I think I won't go into the details, but it's a, a very good watch. A little yeah, bit of a chick yeah. flick, but really good because it shows you shows you back and how NASA operated. And um, yeah, it's my wife's favourite. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Highly recommended. Excellent. Now, um, Sky TV, they seem to keep getting, uh, getting beaten up. Um, I'm probably partly to blame for some of that. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I got a call um, late, late last week from uh, News Talk ZB about talking with, uh, with Mike Hosking around uh, the the latest development, and they were curious about what the impact might be on Sky here. And uh, what what we heard is that um, Sky Sport in the UK um, have lost the rights to the uh, ATP uh, tennis tour, and they've been outbid uh, by Amazon. So that was the discussion that I had with um, uh, with Mike Hosking, and the Herald ended up picking it up with a sort of big headline of, you know, um, Sky maybe uh, losing the All Blacks to, uh, to Amazon, um, which, I, you know, I'm not, not sure is, a, is an immediate risk, but I think there is, there is very much that, uh, that potential. I mean, Amazon, uh, with their video streaming right now, it's a re- really good service. We don't have access to too much content in New Zealand, uh, but certainly in the U.S. market, uh, you know, you get your Amazon Prime subscription, which is very Netflix-like, but then you can add on extra things like HBO, and now sports started coming into that mix. Uh, obviously, they're serious about expanding that internationally with this particular, um, you know, scenario in the UK. We're taking those tennis rights uh, off Sky Sport, so um, it does seem feasible to me that. In time, we will definitely see uh, we will see a change to how we watch the All Blacks, and whether that is through a channel like uh, Amazon Video, or whether they offer a, a direct offering, so they just cut Sky out uh, altogether. Although I think there, there's certainly room for um, aggregators and providers like Amazon in the mix. What are you, what are your thoughts? Are you a Sky subscriber at all? Yeah, I'm a Sky subscriber, and yeah. uh, I think that they do well to put it uh, to piggyback it with other products, um, and that increases the offering. We have it with uh, Vodafone, so we have UFB, and it's packaged as part of that, and we get a really good rate. Um, and but I mean, you look at Vodafone; they've got their. Uh, their, what is it they call it TV box I can't remember what they call it now but Vodafone have got a, a set top box which is similar to Sky and so I'm not sure quite how, how the arrangement goes I'm not really qualified to speak on that but all I know is that um, you know yeah go watch the All Blacks in person <laughs> yeah well that's uh, that's that's the ultimate experience isn't it so mm-hmm. uh, and, the, and the technology uh, despite uh, augmented v- uh, reality and uh, virtual reality and so on is uh, there's still a, a, a fair bit of difference. Let's see what it's like once we've got those um, uh, computer-to-brain interfaces sort of hooked up <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, we're living in matrix land. Yep, someone um, tipping their uh, beard down your neck from the <laughs> seats behind or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I think, I think it's, it's certainly an interesting time ahead. 
as far as Sky's concerned, you know, I'm still not not that impressed with the technology that they've delivered. I you know I don't think it's as um, as coherent as it as it should be. And in fact, um, just yesterday there was uh, another news story that uh, cropped up of um, you know. The, the headline in the Herald was Sky TV screw up leaves Game of Thrones f- fans hanging uh, and basically there were a, a bunch of people that weren't able to uh, to stream it as it came out and yeah when you've got uh, people that are really looking forward to uh, new mm. new episodes like this uh, and people are paying a lot of money to be um, you know, utilising uh, Sky services, although Neon's not a particularly expensive service as their streaming service. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's upset, upset a few, few people, which is um, to be expected, but I think you know, Sky need to make sure that they've got good, coherent offerings, they're running, they're reliable, they all work together, uh, but it, it does seem to be a bit of a mishmash and... Uh, you know, I don't think that helps them sort of stave off the Netflix and Amazon and and um, you know other uh, players coming into the market um, at all. Do you use any of their online streaming, or are you just um, just just using their uh, set top box through your ultra fast broadband? Yeah, just using the set top yeah. box and not even using UFB. I'm using it via a satellite, old fashioned. So uh, yeah, okay, yeah, and it seems to yeah. work fine. I mean, I don't really have a complaint because I mean, you know, we've used um, what is it, Pureflix and, and Neon, and we've used what's the other Flix? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, Netflix, Quickflix, quick Quickflix, quick yeah, all those Flix. And, yeah. and um, to be honest, I, I think you know with Sky the issue is you get programming you can't choose what you're going to watch when you watch it and I think that's what's going to change coming up is you get to watch exactly what you want if you want to watch 24 hours of Dukes of Hazard, then that's what you'll get, you know. And I, and at the moment, you can't do that with Sky, and I think that's probably yeah. well. What's their neon service does, does give you that 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 on demand content. It's just that, yeah, it's some that this the there those those online offerings I don't think are are as really as good as what they should be at this stage. And mm. um, you know, if they're not absolutely um, you know rock thing. solid and and. Uh, you know, fantastic all the time, then yeah, people will just lose interest in, in, in Sky. So, yeah, that's that's my take. Now, um, Wanna Cry. Only uh, only a few few weeks ago uh, that that we were uh, we were we were talking about this, uh, and now we've got the news that uh, Mark and Marcus Hutchins. Um, better known as Malwaretech, this was the individual who actually helped to uh, stop WannaCry. There was a situation where WannaCry was sort of trying to go out to uh, uh, this particular uh, domain name and the code, and it wasn't registered. He went and registered, and it seemed to uh, um, put a put a stop to uh, the the ransomware. Uh, but he's been in um, uh, in the UK. He's uh, he's you know been. Uh, uh, I guess it has attracted a lot of attention for what he did with WannaCry and how positive that was. Uh, but he's been in the uh, in the US, and um, well, we've got a, a little bit of a, an issue because uh, he's been uh, he's been arrested, and yeah, it seems as though uh, he was. Um, um, Involved in a little bit more than just uh, than just helping to to stop 
uh, cyber attacks, and uh, he was in the in the US for uh, for DefCon, which is, of course, the you know the big hacking conference that that happens uh, um, in Las Vegas each year. And uh, yeah, then afterwards he was um, taken into uh, into custody. Um, so. Yeah, a little bit of a shambles there, I think. Um, people sort of saw him as a as a as a hero, um, but uh, yeah, it, it seems as though he uh, he may not be um, such a a good guy after all. Mm, that's the thing, celebrity hackers. I mean, celebrity developers. I, I think that there's probably a little bit of a lure of the underworld. Um, I mean, I don't really know the situation too well, but from what I can tell. Um, there's a lot of people who've got their fingers in that sort of pie and and, it, and the temptation would be there to, I don't know, make a quick buck. Although I think, you know, it's going to catch up with you one way or another and uh, looks like that maybe is what's happened. Yeah, they've... Um, um yeah, set his bail at thirty thousand US. There's uh, a crowdfunding campaign that's um, uh, fired up to uh, to support him to raise the money uh, for for a defence. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, um, an interesting one to uh, to follow. Of course, you know the US is the place where we've seen uh, you know most um, of these situations where uh, where people do get uh, do get. Um, Taken through the courts and 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 maybe held to account for uh, um, for uh, sort of you know their um, uh, black hat uh, hacking activities. So yeah, we'll we'll wait and see and uh, and and see what comes out of uh, this mm-hmm. one. But um, could be that he doesn't get back home for a little while. Time will tell. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Well, um, thanks, Royce, for chatting through those things. Now, I'm just I'm keen to hear just a little bit more around um, your work within the urgent couriers world because um, it's been a while since we we caught up. But I knew you were working for urgent couriers, and then um, then you moved to Tauranga. And I thought, oh, I wonder what work you're going to do mm. down there. But um, you've actually been working remotely for the past couple of years, basically, you know, running these IT systems from. Um, yeah, a few hours drive or, a, you know, uh, an hour or so sort of flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not quite an hour or so. It's a shorter flight than that, isn't it? Um, but, you know, from uh, from out of Auckland, I'm just curious to uh, to hear what, that, uh, what that's what that been like and how that's worked for you and how that's, uh, you know, worked for the for the business over yeah. over that period because you were kind of sole charge in terms of running the that's IT right. systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, this is it. I think what's happening to people increasingly these days, particularly in the big city, is that um, w- with the traffic, what it is now, um, you know, I was sitting in traffic for two hours a, two hours a day, an hour to work and an hour home. Great and time to listen to podcasts, Great boys. time, yeah, that's wow, right. that's awesome. I can awesome. see people Why on the motorway out there. stop that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can see all the traffic on the motorway now. <laughs> but anyway, um, I mean, all that aside, I started cycling to work, which was great, but um, over the winter I was still in the car a lot, and it, it leaves you thinking, what is life all about? You know, here I am sitting in the car. I want to be home with my family. I've got three kids. I love them very much. I love my wife. I want to be home hanging out with them. I want to be a good father. I want to be more involved in my kids' life. Um, and I just really didn't feel like it was ticking all my boxes. And so, I mean, my wife and I had a chat, and 
and we ended up in the Bay of Plenty. They call it the Bay of Plenty for nothing. It's a beautiful place, and um, I mean, even my vegetable garden just grows three times faster than the one in Auckland did. It's, it's <laughs> just incredible. And um, and yeah, so we, we made the decision to move down, and I, I was going to resign, but um, my boss. Um, Steve Benici, who's a, a bit of an entrepreneur, and he's, he's quite open-minded, and I think that's probably helped him in business a bit. But he was saying, well, why don't you try working remotely? We'll see how it goes. We'll give you a couple of months. And, and uh, he did a staff survey, and, and ultimately everyone was pretty happy with the support. And um, so the trick really with working remotely is you've got to have a little bit of discipline. Uh, we Also for O-Baby, I'm a director of O-Baby. My, my wife runs the business, but we've got a, um, a full-time uh, web developer who works down in Nelson. And um, I think the trick really is to find someone who you have you can trust, and someone who you can really um, who, who's got those communication skills, so you don't lose contact with them. So I drive up to the to the office every second week, and um, and and you know, not that I needed to, but I think it's important just to keep build that rapport and and, and relationship with the staff. And so yeah, as, like you said, I'm a sole um, sole owner. So in terms of um, jack of all trades, and so um, if something did go wrong, I have a um, an arrangement with a local IT company to go in there at short notice and replace hard drives or do the the grunt work. But to be honest, you'd be surprised how how things are pretty stable. And, and I mean, I can turn you obviously run, and, run a tight ship and you know have good systems and yeah, you know, you're proactively replacing gear and not trying to you well, know stretch it out. Uh, you know too long in most cases cannot, and so on. So. I cannot confirm what or not. I mean, I must say we, we are stretching the legs of a few of these bits and pieces, but at the end of the day, it's about having contingency. I mean, we've got really old floor switches, but we've got a spare one there just in case. We've got UPSs, we've got a, a, a generator which is on a trailer, so if the power goes down, I've, I've trained the guys on how to wheel it around and plug it in and flick it over and the whole building runs on this generator. So there's, it's about having contingency, it's about working through all the different options and uh, yeah. It works really well. I, I love it. I've had the best two uh, years of my life working remotely, and um, I think that a lot more um, bosses should consider that because at the end of the day, I think I've put in a lot more work working remotely than I was when I was in the office, um, purely for the simple fact that I have to show that it's working, um, and I have to have that. I mean, a lot of people, I, I think, would sort of be a little bit jealous and saying, oh, well, why do I have to come into an office when you're you know, having this great lifestyle? Um, so I had to really prove that, hey, I can still provide the same service levels. And um, I suppose there's a few frustrations if, if the toner runs out, well, who's going to change the toner cartridge? But a lot of that's really just grunt stuff anyone can do. You know, mouse is broken, we'll plug another one in, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, for the, I, I think it's worked out really well. Yeah, I think you you know you're smart to have to be in the office on a regular basis as well because as you say, uh, the relationship stuff is really important mm. and there's a lot you can do remotely, uh, but there's uh, there's a real benefit of being able to have that sort of face time with people and yeah. and, and to be uh, uh, to be there in person and so on as well and and that's uh, certainly one of the things that we've established with Gorilla where we have uh, you know lo- you know different locations. Uh, we'll make sure we have that in-person uh, contact on a very regular basis. Um, you know, even though the bulk of of what we do, uh, we can run from uh, from HQ in Auckland. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we don't necessarily, um, you know, have to have a, a huge physical presence in in any other locations um, to be able to look after people. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I think that's really important. Um, just. Being able to get in front of people, it really uh, makes them feel like they're being looked after and cared for. I think um, 
like you say, the absence. For, when I first uh, moved down to Tauranga, was, I was probably doing it once a month, once every maybe even six weeks. And I really did feel like perhaps they felt like they were just being left hanging um, a little bit, even though I was still ticking all the boxes. Um, I think just being there face-to-face and uh, just, you know, not that I had to be there, but I think that's really what's um, made it work really mm. well. Mm. Yeah, I recall um, one uh, one uh, client that we uh, we took on and they had a uh, an operation in another city and we went to visit them and they told us it had been 18 months since... Uh, uh, anybody from the, the information technology side of the business had been to visit them, so they really did feel like the you know, the poor unwanted cousin or something that were just mm-hmm. you know out of sight, out of mind. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one of the first changes that we instituted was to uh, um, you know be with them in, in person um, on a monthly basis. And yeah, you know, that completely you know transformed what it was mm. like for uh, for them. So um, yeah, you have to find what's the right fit in each situation. Mm. Um, I was yeah. also ch- chatting to uh, operations manager Greg before about uh, millennials and 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 young people coming up now, and, and how obviously they're using social media a lot more. I think that the norm is going to become a lot more that you know. We don't have to be face-to-face. We can still have this uh, a great relationship digitally, um, and that ticks many of the boxes up. But I think always there will be a, a place for being on-site and face-to-face. But I think that it's going to be a lot more acceptable that, you know, hey, we get remote support, and um, and that's all we need, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's definitely going to be an increase. We'll see a lot more of that over time. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from any, any listeners that have got any experiences on this front that would like to share good bad or or otherwise it's uh, it's always good to to hear you know the feedback of what's working out there and and what's not so definitely feel free to uh, to get in touch whether it's you know, a message through uh, through facebook or twitter uh, or you're welcome to email me directly as well um, paul at spain.nz so uh, definitely encourage that uh, but I think this is certainly part part of our changing world mm-hmm. is this this ability to to um, you know get some of those lifestyle benefits and so on of of working in different ways um, so definitely great to hear how it's how it's worked out for you Royce yeah really thank you cool. very much yeah excellent all right well that's us for uh, for this week on the New Zealand Tech podcast thank you everybody for uh, for listening in again we'll of course be back again uh, next week with another episode and thank you Royce Peterson for joining the show thanks for having me awesome guys cheers see ya see ya the New Zealand Tech podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology proactive and strategic IT